Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We're back. And if I remember correctly, we left off in Romine, even though our survey of the scriptures had us in Shemot. We took a divergence over to Romim. Is that correct? Correct. And as I remember, we were going to pick up in chapter 10, but I want to remind you what this rabbit trail was about. Um, it's not so much a rabbit trail as it is a legitimate pathway. Um, we had read in Shemot chapter four, Exodus chapter four, where Elohim, God said to, to uh, Paro, Israel is my firstborn son. All right. And we were talking about the oneness of Israel being talked about. God often talks about Israel as if the nation is one person, a single individual man, if you will. All right. Israel is my firstborn son. He wasn't talking about Israel, Yaakov, the man who had died 200 years before. He was talking about the nation, and he said, Israel is my firstborn son in the singular, right, as one individual, okay? So we took a little rabbit trail over to Romine chapter 9, and uh, it's getting us up to that point. Um, I forget exactly what our conversation was, but I think we even went over to Hosea, right? Yes. All right. So I'm going to pick up right about here because this probably we touched it a little less because it was toward the end of the night. What shall we say then that the Goyim who followed not after Tzedakah had attained Tzedakah? So the nation, the Gentiles who did not seek righteousness have attained it. That is the Tzedakah, which is the result of trust. But Israel, who followed after the Torah of Tzedakah, has not attained to the Torah of Tzedakah. So what they were following, they did not achieve. Right? Yes. Why? Because it was not sought by absolute trust. It was not. It was not sought by absolute trust but by the works of the Torah. So it's not the Torah that was the offense. It was the works. When you see a prepositional phrase, that is not the subject. Does everybody know the grammar that I'm talking about? A prepositional phrase, in the house, on the roof, in the driveway, of the Torah. Yeah, yeah got you. That's a prepositional phrase. It cannot be the subject. <laughs> all right. The subject of this clause is the works. All right. They were seeking it not by faith, but by works. And the works are qualified as, yeah, works of the Torah. They thought that doing the Torah would give them righteousness. But the truth is, trust has always given you righteousness, and then you obey the Torah. It's such a simple formula. I don't understand why the world can't see that. Okay. It is doing the Torah has never been about trying to become a better person in the sense of salvation. All right. Making God love you more, being more pleasing in God's sight. What God likes is trust and complete reliance on him. Um, 
Behold, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, but whoever trusts in him shall not be ashamed. So that's where we left off, I think. And where this was going is we were talking about who Israel is. Uh, Shaul is talking about Israel. Not all Israelites are Israelites. And then we're thinking about that one guy, Israel, who is the firstborn. And I think we even brought up last week that Israel is the firstborn through Yeshua because Yeshua is born from Israel. Didn't we talk about that last yep. week? Yeah. I might not have said it in those exact same words, but it's the okay. same idea that we can be very close to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. So let's pick up here. My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Elohim for Israel is that they might be saved. For I can testify for them that there is in them a zeal for Elohim. And I think we might have actually gotten this far now that I think about it. There is a zeal for Elohim, but not according to true knowledge. For they know not the tzedakah of Elohim. They do not know the righteousness of God, but seek to establish their own righteousness. And because of this, they have not submitted themselves to the tzedakah of Elohim. So they think that they can become good enough themselves so they don't submit to the righteousness of faith. Isn't that what he said true Amonai is, true righteousness is, is through faith? Yes. Right? Okay. For Mashiach, I love this verse. For Mashiach is the goal at which the Torah aims. And I think we did talk about this last week. Torah, let me find it over here. Torah, more specifically those four letters, is an archery term that means pointing the way. Pointing the way. That's why it means instruction better than it means law. All right, so Torah is an archery term, and look at what he says. Mashiach is the goal at which the archery aimer, <laughs> the archer, <laughs> at which the archer aims. That's so. This is the goal of the Torah. The reason I'm bringing this up: this is Romim ten four, and it has been butchered in other languages you'll hear people say Christ is the end of the law. And so that's one of the big ones that they use to say that the Torah is done away. Well, Christ is the end of the law. Uh, hello, even in the Greek, it means that he is the goal at which the law aims. But because English writers wanted to end the Torah, most of the English translations say he's the end of the law. All right. And so that is a major, major hang up for people who read King James and other translations. They, they, a lot of them will not let go of that translation. OK, but. Uh, let's find that in the Hebrew. Tachlita uh, HaTorah. Tachlita HaTorah. I'm willing to bet that that's probably not what it says in Aramaic because you got to remember I'm using the Delish, but I'm fixing the I'm fixing it. Okay, so we're gonna go to the Aramaic. Okay. 
Is Tachlit something we say in one of our uh, liturgy? Yeah. Bli Reshit, Bli Tachlit. There it is. Okay. It is Tachlita. All right. So that is the summation, the, the completion. It's not the end in the sense of stopping something. Okay, it's the end in, in the sense of a culmination of. So, so it's the end in the sense of the Torah hitting the target. Are you with me? Could you say like the means to an end or? Yeah, yeah it, you know, unfortunately, Hebrew and English minds don't think alike. All right. So let's do this since we've been in the habit of doing it. Notice how similar that is to Tehillet. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Do you see it? Aim, purpose, objective. Do you see that? Yes. The aim, the purpose, the objective. It can mean end, but that's way down. That's way down there in the list. Okay. So. Um, so this is not the bitter end of something. This is the, this is the accomplishment of what, of the purpose of that thing. All right. Does everybody see that? Yeah, that's what, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like that's, um, <clears throat> that's a big, big change. That's a big difference there. And it's hard to see how, uh, that could have been misconstrued. That was done with a purpose. It was on um, purpose. Yeah. yeah. There's no misconstruing that because there's a clear difference between, arriving at its goal and this being the end doing away with exactly that's, that's not connected at all yeah and the the english is so ambiguous a language and so when you put a word like end it has a predominant meaning in most english minds and they knew exactly what they were trying to say yeah, so, yeah to me it looks absolutely deliberate okay so <clears throat> Messiah is the goal at which the Torah aims for tzedakah to everyone who trusts. So what that is saying is when you trust Messiah, you achieve the righteousness of the Torah that is, that is in the Torah. It's achieved in you. You don't have to struggle to achieve it. It's achieved in you. Is everybody clear on that? That's what we've been talking about. I've been trying to hammer that home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for Moshe writes of the tzedakah of the Torah this way, whoever, does, whoever shall do these things shall live by them. But the tzedakah, which is of trust, says this. And this is, I think we did do this last week. Do not say in your heart, who shall ascend to heaven and brought Mashiach down to earth? Because I'm pretty sure we went back and looked at the source of that verse. Remember that? Or am I remembering something that I dreamt? I don't know if we discussed that last week, but I know you have covered, talk, we've discussed this verse in the past. I don't think it was last week, though. Okay. Maybe I'm just remembering, maybe it's just fresh in my mind from having read it. <laughs> well, um, I think we did because you asked any of us if we knew where it came from. And I said a place and it wasn't that, it was somewhere else. Right. It's That's in why Deuteronomy. I remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's in mm -hmm. Deuteronomy. And 
he goes and says, who has descended into the abyss of Sheol and brought up Mashiach from the house of the dead? But what does it say? And this is the quote. He's quoting the Torah. Hadavar, the word is near to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. And then that is Devar HaEmunot. That is the word of the faith, of the firm trust, which we declare. So if you will confess with your mouth, Adonai Yeshua, and will trust in your heart that Elohim raised him from the dead, you shall live. And some people extract this verse out of context, put it on the Romans road. If you're a Baptist growing up in my day, you heard of the Romans road, Romans 3, Romans 5, Romans 8, Romans 10. All right. Uh, that was a way to lead people to Messiah. And it's, it's legitimate. Um, and Baptists do know how to save people. The problem is they don't know how to nurture them and keep them alive. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you trust, and that's in, that's in the uh, present perfect tense, it's always going on, by the way, you shall live. For the heart which trusts in him shall be declared righteous, and the mouth that confesses him shall be saved. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him shall not be ashamed. So that is absolute. And I believe it with my whole heart. Um, nothing in that paragraph uh, excuses us, us from doing his word, though, right? That's right. Right. It doesn't, because if we love him, we're going to do what he says to do. We're going to live like he lived. It's that simple. All right. But what I'm trying to get to is the one man. And it is, in this, it does not discriminate between Yodim and Arameans. This is another proof to me that the Brit Hadashah was written in Aramaic first because had it been written in Greek and translated, then this word would have not been Aramaic coming from in that direction. You know what I mean? Mm. All right. Um, do, do you mean that you think they would have put Greek, the Yehudim in the Greek? If, or another word? I think it would have been Greeks if, because that's, okay. what, that's what our Greek translations say. Okay. All right. And I, so I think the Aramean community had no reason to change it to Aramean if it was written in Greece, Greek first and then translated back. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. But a Greek Constantine would have been and was clearly prejudiced toward the Greeks because he was Greek, would have had it done the other way. And I think that's what happened. All right. An Aramean is somebody who lives in what we know now as Turkey and Syria. All right. They spoke Aramaic. It's a lie that they spoke Greek. They spoke Aramaic. Uh, the elites, the governors and the rich people who traded spoke Greek, but the people spoke Aramaic. All right. And so the word here is calling them Aramaeans. So there's no difference between Yehudim and Aramaeans for the same Yahweh over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever shall call upon the name of Yahweh shall have life. How can they call on him if they've not trusted or how can they trust in him of whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a herald or how can they declare if they are not sent forth? How beautiful are the feet of the one who declares of those who declare good tidings, but all have not heard the declaring of Habesorah for Yeshayahu said, Adonai, who has believed our report. So he's not saying that not enough missionaries has gone out. He's saying they don't believe it. It's gone out, but they don't believe it. They didn't hear. 
They heard, but they didn't hear. All right. But I say, did not Yisrael know? This is what I'm trying to get to. First, Moshe spoke thus. I will provoke you to jealousy by people that are not my people, and I will make you angry by a stubborn people. Who did Moshe say that to? I want specifics. Israel. Yep. How many tribes did he say that to? Well, 12 tribes. He said it to all 12 tribes. I will, I will provoke all 12 tribes to jealousy by people who are not my people. Do you, are you getting why I'm driving at that? Yes. Everybody? He's speaking of the Goyim. I'm speaking of the difference between bad two-house doctrine and the truth. Mm -hmm. two housers think that the 10 tribes are provoking or are being provoked god is speaking to all 12 tribes moshe ministered to all 12 tribes he's saying i will provoke you to jealousy by people that are not my people they connect this verse to what hosea said you are not my people oh are you with me okay yeah and yeah. in reality i guess it would be us who are not natural born Israelis who are provoking the Jewish people to jealousy. Bingo. It's, it's those who are not in any way Israel are provoking the true Jewish people, all 12 tribes to jealousy. That's what God is saying here. And it gets twisted. And you, you guys know how frustrated that makes me. Okay, so then Yeshayahu dared to say, I appeared to those who did not seek me and was found by those who did not ask for me. But to Yisrael, he said, all the day long, I have stretched out my hands to a quarrelsome and rebellious people. To whom did he say that? Israel. All 12 tribes. <laughs> all right. I say then, has Elohim rejected his people? What profanity? Chalilah. What profanity. For I also am a Israeli. If, the, if, if is, being an Israeli is the 10 northern tribes like the two housers teach, then Paul was a liar because he called himself an Israeli. He called himself a descendant of Abraham through, through the tribe of Benjamin. So he is an Israeli who is not one of the northern tribes, right? Mm-hmm. Elohim has not rejected his people whom he, there's the key word. There it is. For new. I want to let it sink in. The way it says it. Yedau, yedau mikedem. From antiquity. That he, that he will know from antiquity. From of old. All right. God, from the east. From the east is the literal, yeah. But Mikedem means, it means from the east, if you're talking geographically, but if you're talking 
in regard to time, it's from antiquity. All right. So God knew them from iniquity, uh, from antiquity. I'm sorry, <laughs> from iniquity too. All right. Um, he has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Did you not know what the scripture says of Eliyahu? How he complained to Elohim against Israel, saying, Adonai, they have killed your Nevi'im and demolished your Mizbechot, your altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. And it was said to him in a vision, Behold, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not fallen on their knees to worship Baal. Even so, at the present time, a remnant is preserved, elected by compassion, and if by compassion and not by works, otherwise compassion is no longer compassion. So a remnant is reserved preserved and we might be getting a, a little bit in the weeds this might indeed be a rabbit trail but i kind of want to do it you guys okay yes rabbits uh, are good we just can't eat them yes what is that word all right nisara she oh nishara All right. Even so, at the present time, a remnant is preserved. You, verse five. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Nishara. I've talked Shall about that. I've talked about that before. You can see the word nesher in there, an eagle that flies away, and the remnant will be those who fly away. And the remnant is not everybody that is called Israel. The remnant is faithful people who trust and obey, all right, who are looking for God, who are waiting on him. Those that wait for Yahweh will mount up in the air, will fly up in the air as eagles. And there. All right, Nesharim. Nishara, that's the remnant. All right. He's given them a spirit of sleep. He's given Israel a spirit of sleep. Eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear. Uh, let me, I went too far. What then? Israel has not obtained what it sought, but the elected ones have obtained it and the rest were dulled in their minds. Now, the problem with this is the elected ones, Gentiles read this and think it's only them. But what God is talking about is a remnant in Israel who, who are elected. Are y'all with me? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the rest were dulled in their minds. The rest of Israel were dulled in their mind. The elected ones were not. He had 12 apostles. Then he had 500 on the day that he ascended. Then he had 3,000 on Shavuot. That's the remnant at that time. And then it was added to Okay. Elohim has given them a spirit of sleep. That's Israel. Eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear to this very day. And David said, let their table become a snare before them and let their reward be a stumbling block. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and let their backs be bowed down always. Do you realize that David's enemies, most of them were Israelis, Jewish people? Wow. Wow. That? I didn't even realize that. No. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, he killed he killed a, a thousand Philistines, but then the rest of his life, his enemy was was Saul and and Absalom and and jealousy and and other brothers, exactly. All right, 
So he's talking about those in Israel who are not Israel. That's who he's talking about. Okay. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? What profanity? There it is again. But rather by their stumbling, life has come to the goyim in order to awaken jealousy. There's that jealousy. God is awakening jealousy in his forgotten ones through the nations, not through the northern tribes, through the nations. Is everybody tracking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, if their stumbling has resulted in riches to the world and their condemnation in riches to the goyim, how much more is their restoration? It is to you, Goyim, that I speak, inasmuch as I am the Shaliyah, the, the sent one, the apostle is the Greek, the sent one, to the nations, to the Gentiles, and perhaps magnify my ministry. But if I am able to make those who are, are my flesh jealous, I may thus save some of them. So we have to provoke our Jewish people to jealousy. <laughs> That's why we do what we do, even though it tends to drive some Gentiles away because they can't stomach the idea of liturgical worship. Um, we're bound to provoke our Jewish neighbors to jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So in their searching to prove us wrong, hopefully the goal is that they find Messiah in that, that aim that they're taking towards Torah. Yeah, and and bigger than that is the peace that we should have through the absolute trust that has been given us that we don't, we're not, because if you have a religious Jew, that person is so worried about doing the Torah, they can't have any peace because they know how much they break it during the day. All right? The non-religious Jew is provoked to jealousy because they're not doing what they know they're supposed to be doing. The religious Jew is provoked to jealousy because they know they're not accomplishing what they're trying to do. (laughs) Right. And so, so we're right in the smack dab middle and we're supposed to be so at peace over our faith in Messiah. And this is where the Messianic community is failing, especially in recent years, because they're so bent out of shape about being Torah keepers that they've lost sight of their trust, in my opinion. You know, that is really um, my experience because the person that I'm thinking of, when I watched her and how she lived her life and how she lived her death, I said, I want that. Yep. I I want peace. I want that assurance. I saw that in her and I wanted it. Yep. And I think that's the key. That's that's the key. All the rest is. It's it's just, a lot of it is just folly. It, yes. Yeah. So um, and thank you for saying that. And, and I, I don't think you'll mind if I share for those who don't know you that you grew up Jewish. Right. You, you grew up around the environment that I'm kind of talking about. It. I may not have gotten it exactly right, but I think I'm somewhat in the in the ballpark. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, that really that speaks to me provoking provoking to jealousy because that that is exactly what exactly. she did by doing nothing but the way she lived her life exactly that's what ought to be the focus of of our walk is making sure that our trust is firm in messiah and not on anything else and i've, I've said it a few times over the last couple of weeks one fly in the ointment ruins the whole batch of oil 
If you, if you are putting your trust in anything other than the blood of Messiah, I don't care how small it is. If you're trusting in your, in, in you wearing CTO, if you're trusting in you wearing a keeper and keeping Torah for salvation and for righteousness, then you're off the mark. You've, you've ruined the anointing. You've destroyed it. All right. And, and probably some of us have gotten there or at least gotten dangerously close. And we have to, we have to check ourselves. And so my goal is to get everybody that is willing to listen to make sure they're standing on the one rock of our salvation and not tripping over it. Okay. Um, and, and it will provoke people to jealousy. And I submit to you that it will provoke Gentile believers to jealousy as well. Are you with me? People who are, people who are in the hyper grace Mm -hmm. arena, there's no peace in that. I'm starting to see that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm going to say I'm starting. I'm starting to see that that people are like, I don't know. They're 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 looking for balance in their life, and they're not seeing balance where they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our um, the way our culture is now, where everything is at a click. You can have everything at the click of a button, or or whatever. I was looking through some sort of video and this this lady was talking about how she's always a uh, always late and she's got ADD and that's all she'll she's always going to be that way but she took a view around her house as she was making this absurd video saying she's blaming on her ADHD or whatever and I'm thinking to myself it's a lack of discipline I mean I mean I was there I had total lack of discipline and several times during my life and I was always late I was always behind. I was always trying to catch up or, you know, and I thought to myself when I watched her video, I said, that's all a lack of discipline. And there's been several times in my life where it's been a lack of of discipline. And I, I agree with Joe. It's like, they're not at peace. You know, they want it, but it's like, how do I come out of all the junk? Right. I think, I think if we achieve anything with our, our Christian brothers, it's, it's, it's exactly that because it's, that's what I was about to say is something similar. They're really not at peace. They're always looking for the next miracle and the next word of faith drop in the bucket. And what's that Richard? Be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, they're constantly, they have to have the affirmation of another miracle. And when they don't get it, it's just wrecks them. So, um, so yeah, I think we can offer that jealousy, provoke that jealousy from both sides by being at peace and by not browbeating people with the Torah, but simply glorifying the beauty of the Torah just by living it, you know, and, and I'm trying to get in the habit and stay in the habit of just declaring Yeshua. I just want to declare Yeshua and then, when they ask me, well, this is how I live my life in him. And, and I have peace because of him instead of, you know, you're not keeping the Torah. You're, you're, you're pagans. You're this, you're, you know, who's going to respond to that? You know, it, it's, it's, it makes the messianic community look bad. It's, it, it's, and a lot of them are the two house people that do it, unfortunately. Uh, so 
where did we leave? 15. And if their rejection, Israel's rejection has resulted in a reconciliation of the world, how much more will their restoration be? Indeed, it will be life from the dead. So when Israel receives Messiah, then the resurrection will happen. All right. So I think some of you know when I think that is going to happen wholesale. I think in pieces and parts it's happening. We have Shelly sitting in our midst because of a, 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 a sounds like a beautiful believer, you know, set the example to her. Uh, but that's not all of Israel. I'm sure there's people in Shelly's life that are Jewish that she wishes would get on board. <laughs> uh, but one day it's going to be all Israel. And I think we might read that scripture here in a minute. So for the, if the first fruit is consecrated, the rest of the lump is also consecrated. And if the root is consecrated, so are the branches. And if some of the branches of Israel were cut off and you who are a branch of the wild olive tree, that's the Gentiles, not the 10 tribes have been grafted in their place. And you have become a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree do not boast over the branches. This is one of the reasons also that I believe in a tree and not a cross. Okay. I think that's exactly what this is talking about. For if you boast, it is not you who sustains the root. It's not you Gentiles who sustains the root, but the root Israel sustains you. Perhaps you may say the branches were cut off that I might be grafted in their place. Well, they were cut off because of their lack of absolute trust. But you Gentiles exist by absolute trust. Do not be high-minded, but fear. For if Elohim did not spare the natural branches, beware, he will not spare you. Consider, therefore, the goodness and severity of Elohim on those who fell, severity on you, goodness on if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. That's the obedience part. Continue in his goodness or you'll be cut off. Continue in absolute trust. So if you get to where you're putting your trust in your own works, you're in danger. Does everybody agree? Well, that's yes, just like, like the parashim. I mean, yeah. and, and I think that we were talking about the messianic community and it's, it is very much like that. It is. It's very much like that. They get caught up in the works of the Torah and they get accusatory and um, argumentative and immature and cruel. And that's not his goodness. And if you have been brought in simply because of absolute trust and you understand that, then you're not going to turn around and browbeat people and accuse people. And, and hold people to a standard that you yourself never kept before you heard of the Torah. Right? Oh, oh, standing on a three-legged stool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's almost kind of like that um, guy in the, what was it, in the um, parables where he, he got forgiven a debt, but then he didn't forgive the debt that right. he had of somebody else. Bingo. Bingo. All right. And even if they, Israel, if they do not remain in their lack of absolute trust, will be grafted in. So Israel that rejected him, not the remnant, Israel that rejected him, if they do not remain in their lack, in other words, if they start to 
to work, if they start to trust in Yeshua, they'll be grafted back in to their own tree. For Elohim is able to graft them in again. For if you who have been cut off, cut from a wild olive tree, which is natural to you, and grafted contrary to your nature into a good olive tree, which is Israel, how much more fruitful would they be if they were grafted into their own natural olive tree? And that's what we are trying to do is get Israel to see that Yeshua is the natural olive tree. So this is what I was saying. The picture that I wanted to paint is Yohanan showed up and began to preach. And he said, behold, the ax is laid at the base of the trees and are about to be cut down. Yeshua is Israel. This goes back. It might, it might have taken a long time to get there, and I apologize, but it took a long time to get here. But Israel is my firstborn son. Yeshua is the son of God. Yeshua is the firstborn. The reason God said that to Israel back then is because they carried the seed of Messiah. That was their job, was to preserve. It's kind of like uh, uh, saving Private Ryan. You know that movie? Yep. The whole job of that one unit was to go get that guy who was the last son of that family so their seed doesn't die out. Right. Israel is like that platoon. Their one mission was to get the Messiah born. And that God gave them the Torah. He gave them Israel. He gave them Jerusalem. He gave them all the land. He gave them all this abundance. And their whole purpose was to have Messiah born. And then they got cut off because of their disobedience. Every last one of them. The cutting off was when Yeshua died. When Yeshua died, nobody was a Jew except him and the ones who had died before him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets. Are you with me? Yep. Their roots are in the ground. Yeshua came out of that root physically. And then he becomes the tree and the first thing that happens is Jews are grafted in to their tree. That's the remnant. Is everybody with me? Yes, the natural. The yeah, natural. You, you, you said it, Daniel, once before, and it has always stuck with me. Um, for Israel, Yeshua is unrecognizable mm -hmm. as, a, as a Jewish person, as Israel. He's unrecognizable. That's right. So that's our job is to try to communicate that. That's why a tree and not a cross, because right. they can accept an olive tree. They understand they are the olive tree. They get that. But what they don't admit is that they've been cut off from God because of their lack of trust in Yeshua. Yeshua was raised from the dead. He grafted in the remnant into his, into his own olive tree through faith in Yeshua. And, and that went on for 20 years, and it was exclusively Jewish. That is so much like a vineyard where you take the root. You know, there's a movie. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a movie about an Italian guy who moved to California with one vine in his pocket. One vine. About yay big, if I remember right. Isn't maybe, that Mondavi? I, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. But he moved from Italy to California mm -hmm. with one vine and goes and splices it and, and plants a vineyard and gets all this stuff out of it. And if you look at that one vine, it grew, it grew, it grew. And then he had to trim it back, trim it back, trim it back. But he had lopped it off of, out of Italy. 
He'd cut it down to the root and took it out of Italy and planted it in California. That is such a vivid picture of the gospel. Yeshua, Yochanan said that God was going to lay in the axe at the base of the tree. It's about to be cut off. You better get ready. Israel was cut off. Messiah is the only one who is Jewish. He's rebirthed in resurrection. He grafts in 3,000 people. 20 or 30 years go by, and he's grafting in all these other Jews. And then it's time. The tree is healthy enough to graft it. You cannot graft in a wild olive tree to a young vine. All right? You have to oh, wait until it has some size on it. And that's exactly what God did. Israel, there's estimations that 60 to 80,000 people were messianic when the, when the, uh, the council at, at Jerusalem happened when the, when the Galatian era started, that there were 60,000 to 80,000 Jewish believers in Messiah. The book of Acts says it in Acts chapter 20 or 21, many thousands of Jews have come to trust in Messiah and they are zealous for the Torah. That's right. All right. So then the wild olive branches are starting to get grafted in. And what Paul is saying is at some point, wouldn't it be great if the original branches were grafted back in, they'd flourish in the tree. Right. And that's our goal is to try to get people there. But the thing that I want you to see is that's the Israel. That's Israel is my firstborn son. Yeshua is the firstborn of God. Is he not? Yes. All right. I hope, I hope it wasn't too much of a diversion. That was good. <laughs> to, to get us there. Very good. Um, but I want to do one more thing about this same topic. Talking about the resurrection. I got to find it. Yeah. So I don't have to convince you guys of resurrection. I'm pretty sure everybody on the call believes in absolute physical bodily resurrection of Yeshua, the Messiah, the man, the son of God, risen from the dead, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. But now we know Mashiach is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have died. A firstborn son and first fruits. It's a very similar word. Bechorah. Bechorah. Right, Deanne? Yeah, I'm looking right now. I'm a little slow on the draw tonight. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, uh, Bikurim and, and Bechorah are very similar words, all right? Uh, first fruits and firstborn, all right? Yeshua is the first fruits of those who have died. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Mashiach shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Mashiach, the first fruits, afterward, those who belong to the Mashiach at his coming. All right, that's us. All right. This gets into another topic, obviously, and I don't want to go there. I, I could get excited about it. It's one of my favorite topics, but I'm trying to just focus on the fact that in Adam, all die. In Messiah, all will be resurrected. All will be made alive. That's the concept of the one man. Does anybody remember the Hebrew word 
that the Aramaic and Hebrew scriptures use that you lose in the Greek and English that talks about the one man, Adam, and the second Adam. Anybody remember that word? Talking about the goof. Goof. No. Yeah. All right. I want to show you this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Mashiach is the head of the assembly, and he, Messiah, is the savior of the body, the goof. Goof. The goof is a Hebrew concept that in later rabbinic writing, the concept is kind of changed. But early rabbinic thought has the goof as one man, Adam, and then Israel. All right. What I'm telling you is this is a word that is a single body that is made up of multiple entities. And that would be those who are saved in Messiah. That's the goof. All so, right. That's the one man that is the firstborn of God, that is the, first, the, the firstborn son of God. Are you with me? Hopefully that came out right. So is it kind of like the word fruit and you can have multiple kinds of fruit and in, in what you just explained about it was no, Adam no, this, and then it was Israel? No, uh, let me think. Let me try to think of a better analogy. I, okay. That might work, but I don't think it's sufficient because this is more like uh, cells in a body. Okay. Fruit, fruit get, fulfills its purpose away from the tree. Okay. Uh, the goof is interdependent on every other part of itself. And Shaul talks about this. This is what he's talking about in, 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 in regard to the body of Messiah. We're oh. joined together with muscle and sinew and bone. We're interconnected. Um, I think that's Ephesians chapter four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see if I can find it right quick. I don't know if I used sinew, but I think maybe I did. Yeah. No. Um, maybe muscle or tissue. Uh, let's see. It's somewhere in Ephesians where he's talking about the body being closely knit together. I've got so many different translations of it in my head. I can't remember where it is. I don't know where it is. I'll try to find it. But he talks about the body of Messiah as one body that is fitly joined together, that is compact together, like, like the psalm talks about Jerusalem. It's one entity. It's not... Um, it's not made up of independent parts that just cooperate. And unfortunately, that's the way the body of Messiah thinks of itself. And I'm talking about the human beings who are, are or pretend to be part of that body. They are little independent things that think independently and don't nurture the body. Are you with me? Yes, yeah, that it, makes it, sense. It, it In science, if you have cells in your body that are independent, 
what are they doing to the body? Cancer. They're giving you cancer. <laughs> it's, can it's cancer. <laughs> it's to be excised, yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff you take out of the body. That's the stuff that's no good. And so those who belong to the goof, the, the, the spiritual one entity that is Messiah, care about that whole body. Nurture the whole body. This mm -hmm. is what Yeshua is talking about. This, the passage I'm thinking about maybe mm -hmm. where it says, can it may be in 1 Corinthians now I think about it. Can the hand say to the foot that I don't need you? Can, can, right. the, you know, remember that all of that? Yes. And unfortunately the Pentecostals think they don't need the Baptists and the, and the, and the, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We think exactly the way that we're not supposed to think about the body. Exactly what Paul said we're not supposed to do. We do. And exactly what he said to do is so far from what we practice. It is. Yeah. We're so, it, and, and then he says, I got to find it. It's driving me crazy. Find it. <clears throat> it's Corinthians. Is Mashiach divided? That Maybe that's not there. Uh, I can help find in the Gentile translation that we can cross-reference, possibly. Yeah, look up. Shall the hand say to, or shall the? I don't. I can't. I can't even remember it in the English anymore. Shall the hand say to the foot? Shall the, I can't remember what body parts it talks about, but shall the eye? Yeah, the eye. It's the eye. Shall the eye? Yeah. I say to the ear or something like that. Thought processes the house divided against itself cannot stand. First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty one. Okay. First Corinthians chapter twelve. What chapter did you say? Twelve. Twelve. Verse 21. Yeah, there we go. But now Elohim has set every member in the body as it pleased him. If they were all one member, in other words, if we were all identical, where would the body be? But now there are many members, yet but one body. Yeah, I cannot say that. I have no need of you, nor can the hand say to the feet, I have no need of you, but rather those members of the body which are considered to be weak are necessary. So if we're talking about a local congregation, those who put up the chairs are necessary, right? That's just one of the things our congregation has to do. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, we bestow more abundant honor. In the parts that are uncomely, we dress with greater care. He's talking about our physical bodies. We hide the... the shamely stuff, right? Our comely parts have no need of attention, but Elohim has so tempered the body together, he's given greater honor to the member which is inferior, that there may be no discord in the body. Hello, no discord in the body. But that they may care one for another, and all members should be equal. 
So when one member is in pain, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members will glory with it. You are the body of Mashiach and members in your respected places. Elohim has said in his assembly, and then he talks about the, the different positions or offices in the body. And those are all legitimate, but they're not independent of one another. So all of that is the goof. And I, it, might do a, to, a, it might be a good exercise to just look at where goof is used. And you can see it right here, goof, uh, in, in reference to just discussing the body. The reason I didn't put it as goof over in the left side, because in this instance, it's an example. All right. He's not actually talking about the spiritual body of Messiah yet. Right. What you got, Joe? I'm looking at looks like verse 26. It's hard for me to see from where I'm at. So when one member is in pain, all the members suffer with it. And if mm -hmm. one member is honored, all the members will glory with it. So, and I'm guilty of this, as probably many are here on this call, but first coming into this halakha, you know, you're the one you like, man, I got this new truth. You're trying to tell everybody, and you, you do become that judgmental purpose person. Um, I think all of us did, yeah. But really what we should see is that those those believers who are still in error, who, who, who don't see the things that we see, in a sense, Yes, they are in pain, or if they don't, so I, I won't say, but there's a very good chance they could be in eternal pain, and we should be suffering with that knowledge, and we should have that compassion for them, knowing that 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 they are lost, and that you know we were lost, they're lost, they're 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 not walking the same walk we are. They're you know we, I don't know, just it kind of when I saw that one member's in pain, and you're making the context of congregationally or or denominationally. You know, if we apply it that way, then we can maybe see things in a little different light. Right. Yeah. I, I want to clarify. We're not saying that people who are still walking a traditional Christian walk are lost eternally. They might be wandering and looking for the path to walk on, but some of them are genuinely saved and they just need a nudge. And I want to get in that nudge. There are a lot of them who are lost. You're right. There, there are a lot of people who, who call themselves Christians who have no idea what salvation is. But I want to clarify, not all of them are that way. Some of them are just wandering. Well, I intended to, to say that. I guess I didn't say it like I... Well, I, yeah, well, just, in case, just in case, because I know people get offended and this will be watched in the future. I want people to know that we're compassionate toward everybody. <laughs> we want everybody saved. Right, in different stages. Exactly, I we're like all it. we're all in different places in our walk. Right, Richard, we were all where they are at some point. Right, I liken it to the stages of grieving and death and dying. Yeah, um, at some point, you know, uh, there's a there, there's one specific point where there's anger, and we've all been there, you know. And the things that we say, and we can't believe this, and how stupid is that, and all these things. That's that's you looking back at yourself. And at the end of this whole thing is uh, some sort of uh, coming to grips with it. I'm sorry about the background. It's okay. Grandbaby. <laughs> I'm not sorry about that, though. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> the point of it all is, is at the end of this, you come to some sort of uh, an understanding and you come to grips with things, you know. So it's uh, it's like stages. And so I'm not saying that I'm at the, the stage of complete understanding or, or coming to grips with everything because I still get disappointed. But if you look at those, you can compare them to maybe your walk. The thing of it all is, is the person that died was you though. Okay. 
That's not right. someone else. <laughs> you're, you're going through your own grieving process. That's yeah. right. That's right. And uh, that, that's, you know, back to 1 Corinthians, uh, where were we, 15, that's basically in Adam, everyone dies. In Messiah, everyone lives. But in order to be in Messiah, your old man has to die. And the new man has to live. And, and, and that new man is going to go through changes. And those are the stages that Richard's talking about. You know, I came to, there is zero doubt in my mind that I met Messiah when I was 11 years old. I have no, it was an organic life-giving process. It was, it was tangible. It was acknowledged. Everybody saw it. And then, you know, at 22 years old, I returned to him and it was organic and it was, it was, you know, 180 people witnessed it. It was real, but I only, my walk with him only began, you know, and I, I had to figure out exactly stepping up from one glory to the next, moving from the outer edge of the temple towards the Holy of Holies. That's what we're all doing. And that is an ascent always. So if you're moving, you're good. If you're not moving, that's when it's questionable. So yeah, we're trying to wake people up and get them back on the walk. All right. I say one thing. Sure. You, uh, the talking, uh, the conversation today, I kept in my head, I could hear Yeshua saying, I go to prepare a place for you, Macomb. Um, and I wonder sometimes if if that place isn't like that body of Mashiach, each of us is interconnected and part of it. I don't know if that's what he was talking about, but. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. He's, he's building his congregation. That, that, that's exactly what he's talking about. Uh, heaven is already fashioned. And the, the place in which we will dwell is exactly that. It's the goof. It's his body. It's his, it's his, it's his relationship with his bride. He wants us to bring people in and grow his body. Um, the analogies tend to overlap, you know, sometimes they deviate a little bit from each other, but most of the time it's an overlapping and the idea is oneness. It all goes back to that, you know, where we started last week, Israel is my firstborn son. It's oneness. It's, it's the, it's the, the manifestation of Messiah in the earth. That's who we are supposed to be. And when we're all, when we're all, we've all got this cacophony of noise, doctrinal noise, we're not, we're not showing oneness to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel, when we were in Israel and we were immersing and we were dancing and all of, so many people came up and said, wow, I've never seen anybody do this. You guys are, look so happy. And so that's that speaks volumes i think that the less we speak sometimes and the more we act (laughs) is really much more impactful than than oh yeah yeah. and yeah and uh uh yossi our tour guide yossi was this cantankerous war veteran fought in all the israeli wars and and just just a prickly pear rough around the edges and you, you ain't going to bite into him yet because that boy was a stinker. And, and he starts, he, he's trapped with us for, for 11 days on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time, by the end of that trip, the man was crying. He, he didn't know, he didn't want to see us go. 
you know, and, and he's an unbeliever. And, and it took us a while to convince him, we're not your traditional Christian crew. Don't tell us that. Don't say cross. Don't say Jesus. Don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff was having. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad Jeff was with us because me and Yossi might have clashed a little bit more. I don't know. (laughs) But but yeah, it was, you know, there was but the a, joy, you know, people yeah. saw the joy and they saw that, you know, most groups go to the, to the uh, yard end and they immerse and they say prayers and they go home. And, but we were yeah. singing and joyful and dancing and, and immersing in this strange way that no one else does when they get there and, and immerse, you know? Yeah. We were entirely yeah. different and entirely unified, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, it was intriguing to Jewish people standing around us yeah, yeah. And, and other believers as well. So that's exactly what we're talking about is, you know, that's what Yeshua is talking about. Let your light, our light is him. Our light is not, I got to put on my makeup and fix my hair and make my hair, you know, like an evangelist, uh, <laughs> you know, put on the, the uniform of, of evangelism. hand <laughs> <Baby> hair. <laughs> So our light is, is Messiah in us and our, our obedience and our living the way that he lived. That's our light. And, the, and of course, the source of all of that is the Torah based on trust, right? Based on trust. Okay, so I think we're ready to go back to Shemot unless someone objects. <laughs> oh, objection. Was that a good diversion or no? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was very needed. That was good. Good. So we left off somewhere back here. Chapter four, verse. I don't have that part written down. Mm, We made it all the way to the end, didn't we? Did we go? Well, I don't think so. I don't think we did. Look. I thought we talked about um, Zipporah. I thought we did. Yeah, we made it. We made it to at least verse twenty-two, and then I think we did talk about Zipporah at least a little bit. Yeah, because we talked about her name being a bird, right? You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We talked about Aaron coming back. So let's start in chapter five. Everybody agree? Yes. And afterward, Moshe and Aaron came and said unto Paro, Thus says Yahweh Elohei Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a hug unto me in the wilderness. Let's define what a hug is. And what they look at the verb over here. They may hold a hug. All of that, all of those words, they may hold a hug is all stuffed in that one word right there. The Yahogu. No hug for me. <laughs> Yahogu. So it's a, the noun is in is back in its original verb form and it's conjugated. Remember, all so, all Hebrew words come from verbs. So the noun is the hug, but the verb is Chag, and it's conjugated here to celebrate before me. 
in the wilderness. Okay. What you got, Deanne? So could hog in the verb form be a another relational term of worship? You said celebrate, which I like that one even better, but celebrate and worship, they're kind of related. I think they are, but I I think in my mind, at least, and I could be, my mind may need to be tweaked, certainly, but in my mind, I think it is more geared toward the celebratory nature of that feast. Okay. Okay. Because the hog that is going to be celebrated in the wilderness is not Passover. It's Matzot and first fruits. And what's really interesting is, do they know why they're going out? I mean, do the Israeli people and whoever leaves with them from Mitzrayim, do they really know what they're going to do in the desert? I mean, They've been told, but I bet they probably don't yet understand it fully. No. Okay. All right. And, and I don't know that they, okay, so we could back up and see what Moshe told them. He turned, he returned to Yitro, his father. He went, Aaron went to meet him. Moshe told Aaron all the words that Yahweh told him. Moshe and Aaron went and gathered together all the sons of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which Yahweh had spoken to Moshe. So they told him everything. But does that include that? What does God tell Moshe? Gather the elder of Israel and say, he has sent me. He's appeared to me. He's remembered you. I will bring you out. I will give you the land of all of these people, a land flowing with milk and honey. And you shall say to them, he has met with us and now let us go three days journey in the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our Elohim. So that's what they knew. If Moshe and Aaron told them exactly what God said, this is what they said. Okay. Okay. All right. So Moshe and Aaron, however, understand that that offering at the Mizbeach, at the the altar of sacrifice, is a hug. All right? So think about it. When Aaron, I'm sorry, when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, remember our study of Genesis, when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would make a sacrifice, Mm -hmm. didn't we see a little bit? different nature of it than we had previously because of the pre the presuppositions that were put in our mind. Didn't we see those sacrifices in a different way? Yeah, because uh, it was more of a, Hey, everybody come on up. It's a feast. <laughs> it was an yeah. invitation. It's a feast. It's yeah. on a mountain. The aroma is wafting over all the people that are around them. The, you know, it's a bull that's being offered or a calf, which will feed a lot of people. It's a feast. Mm-hmm. It's a barbecue. It's, it's right. what Texans do on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's sanctified and holy, but it's, it's a celebratory thing. They're, they're rejoicing that they have a God to make an offering to, to protect them. Okay. Do you think they remember that? Do you think that they talked about that in their own little quarters over this, over this time of bondage? 
because they I were do. crying out. Yeah. Okay. I do. I think it was handed down to them. I think they understood the basics of it. Okay. Um, maybe that's why Aaron and Moshe sort of seem to edit what God says that they may hold a hog to me in the wilderness. Okay. Okay. I think Moshe and Aaron at least understand that what we're about to do is to go and celebrate before God. Um, it's going to be a deliverance. God told them that, right? It's going to be a mighty deliverance with miracles. God told them that. Okay. And so Paro said, who is Yahweh that I should hearken unto his voice to let Israel go? He's not asking, hey, who is Yahweh? He's saying, well, who the heck is he that I'm going to listen to him? Does he think he is? Yeah. It's arrogance. And you got to remember what a lot of people don't understand is Pharaoh thought he was God. Mm -hmm. He was worshipped as God in Egypt. I know not Yahweh, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And they said, the Elohim, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us go, we pray, three days journey in the wilderness. And then they say, and sacrifice unto Yahweh, our Elohim. Now, that's exactly what God told them to say, right? Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Mitzrayim said unto them, why do you, Moshe and our own, cause the people to break loose from their work? Get yourselves unto your burdens. All right, get yourselves unto your burdens. Get back to work. Mm -hmm. We talked about this word last week. Get yourself. Why do you uh, divert yeah. the people, their doings, to go away from sivlotechem, their mm -hmm. burdens? Savlanut, the suffering of Messiah. Yep. Their suffering, their burden. Sevel is burden. It's a, the idea of it the is shoulder. to have something huge on your shoulder, to have weight on your shoulders. And I can't tell you how many people, including myself, that when, when I came to Messiah and when others that I have genuinely brought to Messiah how they felt. I had my friend, Tom, I wrote a poem about it. He literally said, I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. He said that the day that he gave his life to Messiah. His yoke that, is easy and his burden is light. That's right. He, he takes the burden of sin from us. So I, I, the reason I'm reminding you of that is because Sivlotechem is your sins. <laughs> The burden of your sin. That's what this is. The, 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 the slavery of Egypt is foreshadowing and depicting and, and maybe personifying. I don't know if that's the right word. Our sin problem. Okay. And so stay in your sin. Why are you trying to divert people away from works? <laughs> stay in your sin. Consider what we just talked about and think about that. Exactly. I was already thinking it. <laughs> well, and it's funny because when I had looked at the fruit of the spirit before in the Hebrew part, and I don't remember if I was looking at the Aramaic or the 
the leash or whatever. I want to say it was probably the Aramaic at the time, but the word for um, uh, self-control was the word sablanut. And I'm thinking, okay, so I tried to just kind of take the route and look around in, in the um, Tanakh to see what else I could find. But I thought about it and I'm thinking, how do you, how do you self-control? And it is, it's bearing the burdens of another. That's right. Let's just go look at it, Galatine. And you got to be, you got to be self-controlled in order to do that. You know, it's not about you if you're going to do that. That's right. And that, think about Yeshua. He had to control himself in order to bear our sin burden or otherwise he would have escaped out from under it. And he wanted to. Yeah, he asked for it. <laughs> People don't realize that Yeshua did not want to do what he did. His body, yeah. his flesh did not want to do what he did. He had to control it. He had to Who bear would, up under it. Who wouldn't mm -hmm. want to? But, exactly. uh, but a burden, uh, many people find self-control a burden. Mm -hmm. Having to have, having to police yourself or limit yourself or exhibit self-control yep. can that's, be a burden. Especially in this day awesome. and age when it's taught to do what you want to do and it's a, it's a fight between your flesh and your spirit. Did you find it? Well, I'm trying to speed up the oh, process sorry. a little bit. I found the chapter, but I want to speed up the process. All right, it's in verse 22. shalom That's it. 23. No, it's in 23. Is it? So, yeah. All right. 23. Enduring tolerance. Savlanu. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, rooted in the word burden. Yeah. There's a there's a psalm where it talks about uh, burden off of Joseph's shoulder. Or yeah. whose shoulder? Psalm eighty-four. Okay. I just couldn't remember one of the which one. It's one of the yeah. days. It's Thursdays. It's today's. Oh, look at that! <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the word for Joseph is lechosef, which is funny. Yeah. Without the scrapey H, I forgot. There's, but it had a a hay in it, which was weird. That's eighty four, right? I don't remember, to be quite honest. Nope, that's not it. Eighty two. Nope. Which one is it? Uh, twenty four forty eight. 8294 80 93 91 I can't remember shame on me never look at the numbers anymore 849392 
It's 81. 81. 81. I know it was 80s. Yeah. You did you did call in the time of trouble. I rescued you. I answered you in the secret place. Uh, verse 7. I removed his shoulder from the burden. All right. He appointed it in Yosef for a testimony. It's back up there. All right. Yosef Samo, he appointed it in Yosef uh, when he came out of, when he brought him out of uh, Egypt. A voice I did not know, I heard. He turned away the burden from his shoulder. He took the burden off of his shoulder. Seven. So that's the root of Silotechem and Savlanut. So Savlanut is a greater conjugation of it, of it. Right. It changes the meaning a little bit. Whereas Silotechem is kind of a plural of this with a possessive on it as well. Everybody with me? Yep. Yeah. I like adding y'all and an S. Or, or there. <laughs> Y'all's uh, okay. possessive. Yeah. Okay. So, so. That's what we're looking at there. So it is a burden. I believe that burden is symbolic of our sin. And Pharaoh is saying, get back to it. What's interesting is that in that Psalm, and it, it, it just kind of goes with what we were talking about in the renewed covenant, we were just looking up and I can't remember where the connection was just in my mind just now, but he said a voice that you did not know you heard and I'm thinking to myself we just read something like that where we were just reading and maybe that's how they hear or oh it's what Shelly said is they heard a voice they did not know but they saw actions you know mm. what I mean yep. Uh -huh. yep wow okay get yourselves unto your burden stay in your sin and Pharaoh said behold the people of the land are now many and will you make them rest from their burdens? Will you give them, I want to say it's comfort. It's been a while since I read it. Verse four, uh, five, end of five. Will you give them a Sabbath from their burdens? You see that? Yeah. Vihishbatem. That's a Sabbath verb. Will you Shabbos, Sabbath them? Will you Sabbath them from their burdens? Yeah. All right. So they hadn't had a Sabbath in probably 180 years, at least. All right. Um, that's, what's, that's what is... Value about a uh, valuable about understanding that Hebrew is a verbal root system. You can actually Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> it's an action word. All right. Um, will you give them rest from your burdens, from their burdens? And the same day, Paro commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, "You shall no more give the people straw to make brick." as until now. We just went through Passover, so this is familiar to you guys. 
Let me go and gather straw for themselves and the tally of the bricks which they did make before now you shall lay upon themselves. I just, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish aught thereof for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and sacrifice to our Elohim. They are idle. They are lazy, perhaps. Um, can't remember the word there. Let me look. Look at that. Kinirpim him. Aken him tzwakim. I have no idea what that word is. I'm curious about it. I see a root in it, but I, I don't want to speak it. They don't have one. Then that noon's going to be a part of the root. Huh? You think so? That I think that noon's a part of the root because I was thinking Rofe with the olive, but it's the olive isn't there. Then it may be an, an ancient word that is no longer used because this doesn't recognize it. I want to do, I just want to see. I'm going to look up in the, the Tanakh, see if it comes up anywhere. Well, that doesn't give me anything. Unstable, weak, loose, weaken. Yeah, so I get, I can see that. I think that, I think uh, Roth is the root. It's an inflection of Roth, if you see that. That's the two-letter root. All right. Anyway, you're lazy. You're idle. You're weak, you're lazy. Weak, yeah. <clears throat> Therefore they cry saying, let us go and sacrifice to our Elohim. Let heavier work, weak kind of makes sense there, doesn't it? Let heavier work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard lying words. All right. Let oh. them not regard lying words. There's more of that oh, sentence. Elohim a liar. Yeshu. One more word before it. Huh? Yeah. On your highlight, one more word. Yeah. Yeah. There's Yeshua's name in the in the lying word. Whoa. Yeshu bedivre shaker. All right. So this is maybe a little too personal because you know, people have thrown accusation on me that I'm not true in my faith <laughs> uh, because I'm not bowing to their will, you know, or not agreeing with them. Then they just accuse me of being, you know, a false teacher. 
Uh, it's, some of you know some of what of the bad junk that's been thrown at me. Do you see what I'm talking about? I do for sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Pharaoh is doing the same exact thing. You've got to remember, he thinks he's a god. And he says, who is this? Yuck. You know? And they tell him a truth, which is we're going to go out into the, the wilderness and we're going to hold a hog. We're going to sacrifice to Yahweh. And he tells them, throw more work on them, throw a bigger burden on them. They are weak. They are lazy. Make it heavier for them. These are, this salvation is, uh, is in a lying word. That's. That's what the atheistic communists said about believers. It was a religion. It was an opiate of the people because they were too weak. Yep. That's been used against people of faith for eons. Yeah. Um, wow. The Patriot Act says something about messianic times, too. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well... It's <laughs> a dirty joke. It's a dirty, dirty joke, joke, but they'll they'll end up using something to get anybody who doesn't conform to the the will that they you know lay down. Don't that is, you know that is bow to their this. will. <laughs> yeah, and and they will abscond with Yeshua's name, even if it's the 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 weak, weaker English version of it, they'll abscond with his name and act like they're speaking on his behalf and say mm. that we don't understand. Mm. Right. I think it's, I've never seen that before. I've, I've read it, but it just never crossed my mind. What a, that that's a play on Yeshua's name right there. Yeshu. You see that? Mm-hmm. Do not regard lying words. Let them not regard lying words. Ve'al yishu bedivrei shaker. Wow. Regard. That's, let them not, him save them <laughs> in lying words. Wow. And that's in uh, Shemot 5? Yep. Verse, verse. 9. Wow. I'm just doing a little experiment here. You see it? Yishu, move the dot by two millimeters and you get salvation. Wow. You see that? Yes. <laughs> wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> you got to remember, there's no dots in a Torah scroll. Exactly. <laughs> All right. And the taskmasters of, of the people went out and their officers, and they spoke to the people. Thus says Paro, I will not give you straw. Go yourselves, get straw. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Mitzrayim to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters were urgent, masters were urgent, saying, fulfill your work, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officer, officers of B'nai Israel from Paro's masters went over, set over them, were beaten, saying, 
why have you not fulfilled your appointed task in making brick both yesterday and today as before now? Then the, they said to B'nai Israel, came and cried unto Paro, saying, why do you deal thus with your servants? There's no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, you are idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh. You are weak. You are weak. Therefore, you want to worship God. We've all heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Go, therefore, now and work, for there shall no straw be given to you, yet you will deliver the tally of bricks. You shall not diminish aught from your Bricks, your daily task. And they met Moshe and Aharon, who stood in the way as they came forth from Paro, and they said unto them, Yahweh, look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Paro and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Well, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted the people to turn away from Moshe. He's the one with the lying words, right? We're going to come and go worship uh, Elohim. Yep. So that was... That was um, uh, a, a ploy in it that he used in a way to turn them against Moshe so they wouldn't listen to him and try to follow him and, and revolt, perhaps. Yeah, and they fell right into his trap. Joe, what you yeah. got? Joe? All right, froze up for a second, but uh, I want to go back to where it was uh, your idol, your idol, and you said we're a week, or you're, you're a week, you're a week. And uh, some of that conversation that was going on, it's almost as if several denominations or congregations will, they wear that as a badge of honor, you know, taking the be meek as Yeshua was meek, too far out of context, turn the other cheek too far out of context and they make it seem as if you're to allow the the world i'll just say to allow sin or egypt if you will in this context particularly to just run right over you without you standing up and defending yourself you're, you're supposed to be this way and i think that is one of the biggest lies of hasatan in the congregations yeah and so i think we said who we believe moshe and aharon might prefigure in this whole narrative how does that fit in what you just said well we're talking about the one with the lying words they're coming with words of truth mm -hmm. so it would be and i was looking at the word that we're just seeing before the lying word uh had to re -shek here. I kept thinking it, it kept Shekher Hamashiach kept popping up when I kept looking at that word. Mm -hmm. So I was seeing that in there. So I would say Shekher Hamashiach is trying to keep people from seeing the truth of the word and trying to put that lie in the people that that um, that the people would trust that they think they're giving them truth. Right. And I want to go a little deeper because you were, I thought you were almost on the right track. So, yeah, yes. it, it reminded me of Mashiach HaSheker as well. But the point that I'm trying to make is we talked last week about Moshe and Moshiach being a very oh, yeah. strong word. 
and Moshia is salvation. And we have back up here the possible, this could be salvation. Right. There is no salvation in their lying word. All right. The Al Yishu Bidre Shaker. This could easily have gone the other way. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. No. I don't know the other way part. The other way is regard. It went to regard. The translation did. The voweling went to regard instead of his oh. salvation. Oh, yes, yes. All right. There is no his salvation, ye show in the word lying, right? That's so huge. the false Messiah, Pharaoh, is accusing the real Messiah, Moses, of being a false Messiah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And down here, you are idle, you are idle, and look what happens. Moshe, the true figure of Messiah and his spokesperson, which is God's saved people mm. are intervening between the world, the false gospel and the real gospel and the people who are caught in the middle are turning on the real people. Yes. No. Don't you find that to be true in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What you got, Dan? Okay, so <clears throat> we're talking about the, they're accusing Moshe and Aharon, and then, <laughs> and then it's, you know, like Moses and his mouthpiece, or not mouthpiece, but you know what I'm saying, his, his speaker for him or whatever. And at the end, there's going to be another um, person and their mouthpiece. Um, you know, attacking the people saying those are false things. You need to follow what we say, just like Pharaoh's doing here. I forgot. It's like a false prophet and a something antichrist or. A, or yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I think you're thinking of, of the Hikalut revelation chapter 13, where the beast arises and he's got his, his, his spokesman. Right. And they accuse and they accuse and, but, and they go after the real people of God, but the whole world follows them. And they think they believe in Messiah. They think they have their salvation in this false Messiah, but they're turning around and calling the real people, the false people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time. That's what happened. And I almost hate to bring it up, but that's what happened in our past. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's a pattern of, of Hasatan's weaponry that we need to spot early yeah, and not be caught up in, right? And, uh, and this is very prophetic about what's coming, like Deanna's pointing out. It's going to happen again. There's a lot of similarities between the, the Egypt Passover story and the Hitkalut. There is. And I believe it all starts on Passover. I believe the tribulation uh, 
the trouble of the tribulation begins on Passover and ends on Yom Kippur. I honestly believe that. Mm. Obviously, the Natsal happens on Yom Teruah, but that following Passover is when Mashiach HaSheker will consecrate the new temple, I believe. That would solidify the 42 months. Year to year, year to year to year. Exactly. And a half, right? Yeah, and then at the end, uh, he gets dealt with. But in the meantime, he's cutting down God's people as much as he can. And he's accusing, you know, he's accusing them of being the false believers. Uh, yeah, and we all see that now. I mean, how many on this call can honestly say every season, just before Pesach, we start seeing all kinds of things going wrong. You know, it's like it starts <laughs> building and building and building. It did for me this year, for real. Yeah, hard I mean. this year, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I think that's I think that's that's designed to show us a glimpse into the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I've been saying it for years since about 2017, I think, you know, because um, 2017 was one of my years that I thought it possibly could happen. And obviously, I no longer think that. Um, but when we were creeping up on it, I distinctly remember saying it may not happen yet, but but before a nutsal, before he catches away his bride, the bride's going to go through some trouble. It has to. Yeah, and we're about to see that in Israel. We're about to, some of you may know already what I'm talking about, but we're about to see that that very phenomenon that we're going to go through some birth pains, you know, before. Uh, before tribulation starts. And I think we're all, honestly, I kind of think we're in the birth pains already. I don't know about y'all, but the stuff that is happening in the world, just, it feels like it's tripled. It's never mm -hmm. happened like this before. It is yeah. nothing has ever been like this. People never. have lost their ever loving minds. They have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and it's, 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 <laughs> it's a world psychosis. It's right. bizarre. And, um, and I feel like that's probably part of the birth pains. And, uh, and no, so I, many are oblivious. They act like it's normal. And this is not normal. What Our world right now is so you know, abnormal. You wake up every day and you're yeah, like, I, it's I, real. It's a new normal. Mm -hmm. it <laughs> it's a new form of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's going on in Israel? Or my, what, 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 I don't know about that. Majority of them. Yeah, me neither. What do you mean? You just said something about things that are going on in Israel, and you said something about phenomenon. I'm thinking, what phenomenon? I don't know what you're talking about. You said some people may be aware of it. I'm not sure, but I was kind of wondering what you were referring to, too, as well, I should say. Something in Israel. Uh, Y'all misunderstood me. I'm, I worded something wrong or something because I have no okay. idea what you're talking about. Let me think. Okay. Uh, you did say something about that, like what's going on in Israel. The context of was you had just mentioned 2017 and you thought that we might be um, approaching those sorts of times if we weren't Earth already things. in it. All right. Well, if I said something about what's going on in Israel right now, I didn't mean to say that. I must have had a train wreck in my mind. 
Okay. Okay. Um, what I was thinking was, um, in 2017, I was kind of thinking that could be the year. It, it didn't end up being the year and I wasn't convinced it was anyway, but I was, I was certainly bracing for the possibility of it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I said Israel and I was just, I should have said the world because I think I was okay. the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would Israel, if I said Israel, that may have been God because Israel is the, I have always said Israel is the, is the, the center of the timepiece. Well, you know, it seems, it seems to me, Joe said something about the churches and Yeshua and this, and that he's, you know, peace and love and the churches try to emulate that almost to their detriment Yeah. because peace and love good, but compromise what's right, not. And that's what's happening in the churches. And I think that's why they're losing membership because people are looking they want to know yeah and it's not and you're right but i think there's a better word than compromise i think it's capitulation yes i think they capitulate and And that's in the name in the name of of getting along and everybody being absolutely that's capitulation (laughs) yeah Giving in and just being what they want to do, what they want to do here in Israel, they want to just give in and let Pharaoh be Pharaoh and be their taskmaster. Just go back to their slavery. Oh, just don't give us any free. Key. Don't want to be free. Don't want to be righteous. Don't want to leave Egypt. Go you along know? to get along. That's, that's, along really there. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's the real weakness. Mm-hmm. And you should. Giving in, capitulating, and, and giving up your values. In the world, that's the real weakness. That's weak. just like how everybody sit back and turn a blind eye to all these abortions. It's nothing that's to see here. Believers, Man, believers right. sitting back and having nothing to say, just being quiet on the subject. Yeah, I made a post about abortion, and I think two people <laughs> acknowledged it and able to read about these things just like anybody else. Yeah, you know, and yeah. still going along with products and things like that. Yeah, that, yeah. and I, I was thinking about children. It. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about it just before we sat down. We're we're almost out of time, but I was thinking about it just before we sat down because you guys know that I want, uh, you know, I've I we put a lot of work in and have put a lot of work into the kingdom and and you know and the the, the websites go up, the ver- the videos go up, the books go out. We, you know, you know we've done. I think we've done the labor, you know, of more than most big ministries more labor than most big ministries in regard to uh, uh, useful things that the body can use, you know, meaningful, deep, meaningful teachings and, and, and liturgy and, and a good translation of the scriptures. And, and, it, it, you know, and I was thinking about the website and, and, you know, people have said uh, there's, it's too long. It's too much reading. And that bugs me so much where you go to some most today's congregations, you can go to all their websites and they all say about the same thing. Yeah. They're all very watered down and very inoffensive. Don't want to, you know, disturb anybody, you know, so everything is worded in vagary 
and niceties and all of this kind of stuff. And there's no, nobody is willing to read more than a paragraph and that drives me bananas. But I think it's like a protection measure because we want people who are Bereans who read the word and want to know what the truth is. Dig in, find out, mm -hmm. read, don't be lazy, you know? And, uh, you know, that, that was just, it's bizarre because it's just the opposite of what you get. And what better time than on Shabbat, right? Because how long is our Shabbat service? Even for those of us remote, we watch it. It's what, a couple hours max. You got the whole day. You got every Shabbat that evening. You've got the whole day Saturday. That's a good time to catch up on what's being updated on the website. That's a good time to get caught up on some of these studies or go back and restudy. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, that's that's the day to, to do it. I mean, yep. why, why wouldn't you, you know, and. And like you said, if you can't read a couple of paragraphs on a website, how do you ever expect to read and understand the word of God? Exactly. Yeah. That's All right. Let's see. Where did we leave off? Moshe returned. I want to finish this and then we'll wrap up to unto Yahweh and said, Adonai, why have you dealt ill with his people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Paro to speak in your name, he has dealt ill with his people, and neither have you delivered your people at all. And Yahweh said unto Moshe, now shall you see what I will do to Paro, for by a strong hand shall he let them go, and by a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. So we're going to leave it there. Moshe I have, you know, I was thinking about this last night during my prayers. I've always said that Yochanan, the Talmud, Yeshua's disciple, Yochanan John, was my favorite and that I identify with him the most, but I'm starting to identify with Moshe a lot. <laughs> and talking with you, I see that. <laughs> oh, I'm a... <laughs> Why did you send me to do this? <laughs> Are you sure you picked the right guy? Because it ain't working. <laughs> uh, any thoughts or questions or comments? Yeah, you're the right guy, Aki. Uh, well, praise God. Thank you for that. I'm just enjoying the study. Fabulous. Excellent. So much, uh, so much to think about courage all right let's pray avino malkano in the name of your son yahweh yeshua mashiach we do give thanks for your word we ask you to uh, correct our error and uh, teach us your way be with us manifest your presence to us cause us to cherish your presence and uh, we do desire it and we ask you to be with us for the rest of the week be with our congregants who could not join us Enable all our congregants and compel them to join us in, in our studies and uh, be with us when we assemble again on Shabbat. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.